name is Stefan Castellan. I'm from DataFox. I basically ping pong back and forth between marketing and operations roles there. Uh, we're very excited to be out here in Boston. We've run our sales operations meetups out in San Francisco for about two, two and a half years now. We do them every month, and now we're starting to do them all across the US and expand a little bit more. We just did one earlier this month out in Chicago. Very excited to be out here in Boston and very thankful to Inside Squared for uh, hosting us in an amazing office location. That's perfect for a potential movie night later. I don't know, it's, <laughs> it seems very comfy. Um, so a few quick housekeeping items. I mean, we try to keep things pretty informal. Um, feel free to just chime in with any questions that you might have just as part of the discussion. We'll also leave a bit of time at the end for questions uh, if you'd like to join in. And um, yeah, I mean, we're very pleased to have two rock stars in the operations world. Yes, <laughs> 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 yeah, so we have Max Lissone, Senior Director of BizOps here at uh, Inside Squared, and Emily Ketchum, Senior Manager of Global Marketing Ops over at Fuse. I'll let you guys kind of do a quick e-intro of yourselves, and a little bit more about what your company does, what your role is, and then we'll get things off. So Emily Ketchum, you said, uh, of the marketing operations side. So I've been at Fuse for about three and a half years. Uh, we are a cloud communications platform. So think of your telephone, your instant messaging, your video conferencing, um, kind of all rolled into one application. So we focus primarily on kind of the mid-market to enterprise space. So usually about 500 to 10,000 employees is kind of where we fit best. Um, global company, um, offices kind of all over the world. Uh, maybe about 700 people or so. So um, my name is Max. I head up the business operations team here at Insight Square. I've been with the company for a year, eight, and eight months. Um, I can break it probably down by day because I was looking at it the other day. Um, but uh, so I, the team here, we are focused on um, sales operations, uh, more, I would say, like general business operations functions like deal desk. Um, and some of our legal review process, but also analytics um, and CRM management. So we have a pretty um, a wide spectrum of responsibilities. Um, the company itself, we uh, hopefully you guys are all aware of, of what we do, but we sell sales and marketing analytics, um, really uh, predominantly focused on the, uh, the SMB, but also you know, we're you know, shifting the business right now up to more mid-market and enterprise. Um, but we, uh, you know, we really aim to solve really um, the consistent business problems that almost all technology and sales and marketing organizations have, um, because there's there's a lot of consistencies company to company that everyone's trying to solve for certain things. So we, you know, have, have built a, a, a framework and a business around solving a lot of those consistent things for people. So. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that later, but. Yeah, absolutely. And then just to get a quick gauge of where you all are at, um, how many of you have been to a meetup before? Awesome, about half of you. And then how many of you are on the sales side of the house? Sales, sales ops, sales leadership. And then anyone on the marketing side? The marketing ops? Cool. Awesome. So this is about building an app on sales machine. A lot of that starts with, right, a, focus before you start scaling, figuring out what your ideal customer profile is, your ICP. How did you, how did each of you kind of start there and, and work from there to build things out? Um, so I think when we started looking at like ICP versus like what I call it, CAM, um, 
we we actually started doing it for prioritization and like uh, balancing mm -hmm. and making sure that we had uh, we had an even distribution of quality accounts in every territory. Um, Phoebe in the back here can attest to this. She was part of the some of the conversations, but um, we really just wanted to start looking at the accounts that we actually had in our territories, making sure that we had some measure to make sure we had quantity and quality. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just about like uh, so like the TAM being like who can who can you actually sell to, but about making sure we're prioritizing and making sure there's an even swath of the certain types of accounts in each territory we had. Um, so we uh, we started more from uh, necessity for alignment. Uh, I think Fuse was growing really, really fast, uh, maybe too fast, <laughs> at the time that um, a bunch of us joined on the, the marketing operations side about three years ago. Um, tons of salespeople, like over 100 salespeople. Just to put that in perspective, we have about 50 salespeople now, uh, which is a much better fit for us. So uh, sales wasn't using CRM. They weren't necessarily talking to each other or talking to marketing. Uh, sales guys sitting next to each other could be calling into the same account. There was just no insight into any of this. So, um, you know, looking into our ICP was a great place to start. Like, let's get aligned on the accounts that we that are a good fit for us. Let's get people using the systems, um, and let's bring kind of sales and marketing and the company just together to be focused and work smarter. And it's since kind of evolved yeah. into okay, now we can start to size the market better and place sales reps where there's richer territories versus just, hey, I have a friend that lives here, I want to hire him. Um, so it's definitely evolved <laughs> a lot, but really started with just getting everybody kind of on the same page and making sure we were making smart business decisions and smart selling decisions. Yeah, it makes sense. And then it sounds like you're starting there from ground zero, but obviously as you're scaling this thing out, it's not like you just put a strategy in place and then you move on, it has to keep evolving. So how, how have you seen that evolve and start with you, Emily? Um, so tons of changes over the last few years. Uh, really very much started with just kind of a firmographic fit. Uh, looking at you know data we had, uh, what we did have in our CRM, and where we've been successful selling in the past, uh, as well as where we've been successful actually activating deals and implementing them. Because we don't make money until we actually activate those licenses. So just because we sold it doesn't mean it's gonna be a smooth implementation or it's gonna be repeatable. So looking at that data was key. Um, and that was kind of the most easily obtainable data, uh, coupled with interviews with sales, interviews for product, you know, where's the market going, where have you anecdotally been successful, um, and kind of phase two was more about, okay, great, we have a fit, size, and industry, now uh, what are some other compelling events or signals we can pull into it, because there's much more you can do besides just this kind of tight fit, maybe they're, you know, they're growing rapidly, or they're moving offices, or they're expanding into new geographies, which are all great signals to us. So really kind of shifting to that, starting to pull an intent. So it's definitely evolved a lot. I think every six months it's like something new, new data, new prioritization, new something to just be smarter. Yeah, we, um, it was kind of interesting how we, we started with just some pieces of information about like creating some kind of a score to help us like have some quantifiable way to say that we have a certain amount of quality accounts. Um, and we were using things that weren't necessarily what I would say like our general um, you know ICP there were more things that were specific to our selling process like had they had a closed lost option or had they had some kind of market engagement there were like unfair advantages of like accounts that were already in uh, some kind of a working state and you know we then like also said like well wait, wait a second we realized that we were doing that and that's gonna disproportionately skew anything that would just be an ideal customer but it hasn't done anything 
So we had to kind of carve some of that out, create a, a different score. Because I think both are important. I think mm -hmm. having some kind of a, you know, two different lenses to look through as like, accounts or anything through is always important. But we started to peel away some of those things that were specific to engagement levels and prioritization of work streams and say, okay, that's what that's for. And then we pulled uh, together some more firmographic, demographic, technographic information to say, all right, these are the people that are probably targets, but aren't necessarily someone we've engaged with yet, and now we need to get them to engage. So we, we started splitting up and, and, and diverging them a little bit, but they're both useful. I think they both have their, um, their fit. In some of the some of the workflows, so it's it's always progressive. Yeah. It's always something new we can think about. So. That makes sense. And then, how do you balance like, being doing historical analysis to figure out okay where have we successfully sold to in the past versus being a little bit forward looking and say hey here's where we need to go even though our historical data might not point there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I mean I think it goes back to what I was just saying that. The, you know, obviously looking at your ICP is, is rear, view, rear view mirror, right? Where have we been successful? Where, like, where, are, where are our customers? What uh, consistent attributes do they have? And then what can, how can we use that to target? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's more what we did uh, in that secondary phase of realizing that we needed to focus in on the things that weren't part of engagement. They were just pure, like shape, size, uh, color, whatever, that fit. Mm -hmm. And then trying to find, you know, in, Nate and I were just talking about this uh, before the meetup, so I'm trying to pull some data together. I wanted to have a number, but I didn't finish this time. Uh, <laughs> but like, we did some cool analysis, uh, you know, like that was almost a year ago now, trying to identify these accounts that mm -hmm. sales had previously said weren't good, right? And we built the list anyways. We were going to test it in a really organic way, um, but they ended up getting into territories for sales, and like we, you know, I think we said like there was like 300 opportunities and like 14 customers that came out of it that weren't. They were previously something that sales had like, no, these aren't a fit because they weren't the um, like ideal ideal, but they had characteristics, right? They were some of those long tail um, prospects that weren't super obvious. They weren't the cream of the crop, but they had some of the fingerprints. We just got a big enough swap of them that they got into you know territories and ended up having a little bit of success there. So yeah, I think when we started this process, we were at kind of a unique um, point. Uh, for Fuse, so when I joined Fuse in late 2015, we were thinking phones, and we had just acquired a company called Fusebox. So within three months of um, the marketing team growing from like five people to 20 people, we were undergoing a total rebrand to come together as Fuse um, to integrate the products, the messaging, everything. So it was so much change happening, and we knew that the old thinking phones data where we've been successful or the Fusebox data wasn't necessarily representative of where we were going. So we definitely looked at the data and looked at kind of the, the overlap of where both companies had been successful and what made sense is where we probably do well going forward. But that's where um, just interviews, interviews with top salespeople on both sides, Thinking Phones and Fusebox, to get their perspective, um, knowing you know two different data sets, so they're not always going to merge well either when we're looking at those two companies. And I think another key thing was just talking with product. So um, where do you envision this joint product? Um, serving? Like what best you know type of company will this serve? Where do you see the communications market changing over time? So we could be a little bit, we have to you know, focus on the here and now where we could be successful before the products were integrated, but what's that vision? And start to try to get that data together ahead of time so we could really start running once that kind of the product was really up and running and we were truly integrated. So I think 
even now, you know, when we do our reviews of our ICP every six months or so, we're still involving sales for interviews and product, even though now we have a more reliable data set, there's still just those things that data can't capture, right? The stories and particularly around the market and where that's going, that it's still proving to be really valuable and kind of a huge part of the process. Well, that type of process change, I'd imagine it can be pretty hard, right, to roll that thing out. How did you think about doing that across slow so many roll. different teams? Yeah, <laughs> Very slow roll. Um, lots of just socializing it, right? Getting sales leadership, because marketing operations was really driving this. Um, sales wanted it, and they were happy to have us drive this process, um, but they didn't necessarily have any stakeholders on their side or kind of people that were hands-on. So having that buy-in from senior leadership was critical, particularly on the sales side. Um, just constant communication uh, in order to roll it out. And we really did it in phases. So, you know, senior sales leadership, their next line, kind of really going through the ranks to educate everyone and handhold them, lots of handholding, um, and just continued training and, and, you know, iteration. I think we were at the point where it was in such bad shape that everybody knew we needed to change. So it made it a little bit easier mm -hmm. to kind of start to roll something new out. And then being on the marketing ops side of things, how do you think about your involvement and the marketing team's involvement in scaling outbound sales? Obviously, it's a big part of it, otherwise you wouldn't be involved, but how do you kind of marry those two together? Yeah, I think um, a big part of it, because we're primarily outbound, you know, we have massive competitors like Cisco, Avaya, Microsoft, like these two trans, most of you probably haven't heard of Fuse, maybe the inside square people. <laughs> so, you know, we're like the best kept secret in communications. <laughs> so it's not a huge inbound machine for us. We don't have the budgets of those companies. We can't just blast everybody with marketing and hope everybody comes to us. So it's very much outbound, a huge portion of our efforts and sales efforts. Um, and a lot of it stems from the data. So making sure we're working on the right set of accounts. So when we are marketing, we're marketing to the ones they're selling to. Um, but uh, getting creative, using different tools. So investing in intent tools, using things like Engageo to you know, show when there's interactions or you know, scoring things with DataFox. So it, there's so much time and investment in the different technologies that you know, in my past, a lot of the marketing tools, it was like marketing used the tools, sales didn't know what they were and they didn't care. And now all this stuff is like, we're as hands-on in these tools as sales is every day. So there's a huge sales enablement component of it. Um, but having all of that information and trying to reveal it in like a consumable and actionable way, I think really helps with the outbound mm -hmm. efforts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, some of the sales and marketing functions are even cooler, converging a little bit um, with like you know outreach and sales loft. You know, some part of what sales development is doing is you know kind of like a marketing email campaign, right? Um, and making sure that messaging is on point and that they have. You know the tools to contact people with context when they're taking an action, like those are these are what you call like alerts or triggers. Um, those types of things are important um, when you know they're relatively new, right? And they're sometimes hard to implement. Um, and uh, I think you know we've been coordinating with marketing on uh, you know like kind of the status of an account and making sure that we're trying to engage. Um, you know, getting accounts to engage. Right? That's a big, I think, a big part of uh, something that's kind of new that we're working on. Looking at is it's not just about sales versus marketing sourcing things. It's kind of together, and there's usually never a situation where they're apart. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, and, and sales needs to have all the right messaging to get engagement. Um, and also, uh, you know, when 
when sales is handing, being handed over something for marketing, right, they're being that much more effective um, with all of their activity because somebody's pre-engaged. Um, so it's, it, it's definitely a joint, a joint effort there. Yeah. It is interesting how I think things are shifting, at least from a marketing perspective. It's much less like, give me the leads, give me the leads. Mm -hmm. And it's like, tell me about my account. Like, show me why I should call them or show me the surging accounts, whatever they are. So it's definitely a, a bit of a shift. It's like a, just a broader, kind of more strategic approach. As you scaled out these respective machines, how do you think about success metrics and has that evolved from the beginning versus where you are now? Uh, yeah, so like I started touching on it before that uh, it isn't just about like conversion rates anymore. Um, we're we're trying to you know refine some of our metrics and simplify them down to uh, like when you look at like your business development, your sales development teams, and I don't know how long you have these, but. Um, you know, that's a big driver of our pipeline creation. It's, you know, 60% on average. Um, so the effectiveness of those activities is very important to the business. Um, much co like comparable to what you would think about, you know, web traffic at a purely inbound company. That is a very important thing. Um, so measuring the productivity of those activities they're doing on a weekly basis by team is something we're really focusing on. Um, as well as uh, making sure we have, we do have an SLA, right, that is clear um, between, uh, not just from the top down, but all the, all the way down to the individual, like what are the things that I'm getting handed by marketing and did I, did I do the right thing? Right? Did I actually engage and, and, and you know, hit whatever was required of that type of alert or lead or whatever you call it in your business? So we're, you know, we're balancing some of those things. Yeah. I think um, our metrics have definitely evolved, I would say, we have a lot of the kind of standard stuff, right? Are you touching them? Are you the right cadence? All of that fun stuff. Um, when we started really focusing on the ICP, a lot of it was ICP versus non-ICP. Is it better? This proves it. Like, work here, don't work here. Mm -hmm. Smarter, not harder. Um, so things like, is our MRR higher when it's a, a target account? Is that better fit um, compared to a non-target? So it was important to measure, and part of that was really like, make sure everyone's adopting it and prove the value and like you can sell more faster sales rep if you focus on these companies um it's since kind of evolved more to you know they're certainly looking at velocity it's a lot of the same the standard metrics right um and now really shifting into with the 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 introduction of more intent tools like that's everywhere now and there's so many companies popping up they're claiming to do different types of third-party intent um looking more at just our ICP in general and what percentage of those are active today and how can we do different things for them? How can salespeople interact with them differently? Um, and another thing that's evolved a lot, I think is just overall engagement. So it's great salespeople are hitting saying, you know, these accounts marketing is, but if we're consistent in operating together on these better fit accounts, um, how is that engagement increasing over time? You know, it's that persistence, you know, we have a longer sales cycle, so it's not gonna be one touch did one thing. Um, so just staying on top of it, and again, proving out the value, kind of, but, uh, but it's all kind of comes back to alignment. Yeah. And then the question I always like to end on before I'll open it up for questions is, what's the next related project in this realm that you're looking forward to tackling? Wow, the next project. Um, so there's, I mean, there's a, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I work here um, is, a job here is that like, we get to work with analytics a lot. And I like you know, numbers, like reporting. Um, that's how I started my career. So uh, one of the cool things I get to actually participate in some of the product. 
So, you know, some of the things that we're working on um, are some more office-specific use cases, mm -hmm. which um, uh, is obviously near and dear to my heart, uh, um, but also like some things around, you know, uh, more pipeline-specific um, um, insights that we're like holding out that we're going to get to participate on our team. So, shameless plug, but like those are the things that I'm interested in uh, related to, you know, um, the marketing side. Obviously, we have our marketing product, which shows a lot of insights into um, uh, the productivity of all the sales team, like the um, you know the demand unit waterfall, a lot of the, uh, the the things that are you know important to having you know all the right gauges as far as you know how you're spending money on marketing and what, um, on on marketing dollars, how it's converting into you know into pipeline and um, you know and, and, and participating as best as possible. So. Yeah. Um, I've said intent a few times, but intent <clears throat> data is probably the next big thing for us. We've been using intent data for a while, but it comes back to making the sales team more efficient in their outbound mm -hmm. prospecting. Um, so really trying to, in a smart way, surface this information at the right time so they can hit them with the right message um, and you know, ultimately have more deals, progress them quicker because they have kind of this insight to be able to just work, um, work smarter. So lots of work going into um, doing more with the tools we have, making sure we're, we're making it easy for salespeople to know when an account is the right fit or in, or in market based on these signals. Um, and kind of evolving a bit, I and mean, I said we started with really permographic data, um, and we're really shifting much more to our ideal customer is someone who's, that's so important, of course, uh, but they're showing intent, they have other signals or compelling events that are bubbling up and putting a much heavier weighting on that type of information than they're the right size in the right industry. Because all day long, I'd rather have somebody who's in market who has like three compelling events, is the right size, and maybe like a second tier industry, you know, give me that every day of the week versus just right size, right industry. Um, so we can just be that much more efficient and have the better conversation. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, I can dovetail on that, like the, just trying to get, use the tools you have at your disposal already, like more effectively and things like the scoring or like the intent, like all these it's like information overload sometimes that the real purpose should be to try and get, you know, the people in the organization doing the right activity mm -hmm. on the most productive, like where there's the most opportunity, Yeah. right? And like sometimes it's hard to see the forest of the trees with that kind mm -hmm. of a concept. Like that's really the goal yeah. is to make sure that you, the most expensive and, and, and the most important resources are, you know, the human beings in the building um, are focused on the most important thing. And yeah. like using that data to kind of point them in the right direction is, like that's the ultimate goal. And a huge part of that, Sorry. I think with all the tools, I mean, we don't have a huge tech stack, but there's so many of these really interesting intents or, you know, you know the third party or first party intent or scoring right. or signals. <laughs> um, a huge part of the operations focus, whether it's marketing or sales or business ops, you know, wherever we are in our companies, I think is bringing those data sources together and making it easy for salespeople to act. Because it's great if you've got all this insight, but it's in five different places, like nobody's gonna use it. You can't expect them to use it. Um, so making sure all that's integrated and you're kind of serving it up as easily as possible is a huge challenge. Um, Thankfully, the technologies are integrating more. It's, you know, it's just kind of table stakes, some of them now. Yeah. Um, but that's a big, a big focus for us too, making sure we're being smarter about that. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, that's all the questions that I had lined up. So now I'll open it up to you all. Do you have any
yeah. So, yeah, so um, it's, it's really that point in time thing. So for us, um, because we have a cloud-based communication solution, <coughs> when companies are growing really rapidly or they're expanding or they're um, you know, moving offices, to shift their existing communications infrastructure, their kind of on-premise solution is a nightmare. But with cloud, it's like, oh, plug and play, and you're up and you have your phones and you move offices, it doesn't matter, it's cloud-based, so your phone goes with you, your phone number goes with you. So a lot of that growth type of um, information is important. So moving offices, you know, expanding to new geographies, rapid employee growth, um, mergers and acquisitions. If you acquire a company, how are you going to merge their communications infrastructure into your own? So those types of signals um, are really huge to us. And our salespeople have been saying that all along. Um, and we kind of, uh, you know, we're so, sort of silencing them. Like, we can't really easily surface that. You can find it. Um, <laughs> now not to be a Dave Fox commercial, but since we can now kind of marry that signal information with the firmographic information and really raise it up like, hey, tier one, this is the best. They've got all this stuff um, happening. You, know, you should pay attention to them. Yeah. So obviously those are, are, are events which are probably universal to any company. How do you model in things that may be specific to you know, Harpoon? Harpoon probably Company move is probably not a reason to buy beer. But but you know, are there things that you that, that there are ways to model in very specific events that uh, that and how do you how do you first of all how do you uncover those that are maybe specific to your company and then how do you model those things into um, whatever software platform you're using to make sure that, um, that the information is there at the right time. When the message got to be delivered to the to the prospect, I can jump in on this. So, I've seen a lot of different companies get really, really creative, and oftentimes it ends up being either a brainstorm, like a strategy brainstorm mm -hmm. that starts with ICP, and like you see, right, the same four or five attributes for an ICP, and then you're like, well, the one that we really care about, honestly, that's the best indicator, is something that probably no data provider has. Mm. If you do have a data provider that does that, that's the best thing in the world because <laughs> then you can just ship it in you're like, all right, fantastic. But sometimes you just have to go crawl out there and, and get the data yourself or have your sales reps investigate a little bit on their own. So a few examples on the, <clears throat> like we have some private equity companies and investment banks that use DataFox and one of the signals they really, really care about is, hey, if a company hires a new CFO, they're ready for an investment event in the near future and they're gearing up for that. So they're always on the hunt for that, no matter what. Um, if you're in, if you're selling MarTech, um, it could be looking at conference sponsorships as an indicator because that if that sponsorship money is ramping up, then they're more willing to be spending more in marketing and they might have a more built up go to market motion and they also on the same side might be more willing to spend more on sales tech too. So. It's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's thinking creatively. Mm -hmm. um, opening of offices, you know, if you see them yeah. opening offices. Right, exactly. Yeah. For if you're selling beer to companies, right, you might be looking for new office manager hires. That might be when they start to, like, put in kegs in their fantastic offices, like inside Square. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind yeah. of getting creative, right. I think. I, mean, like, not every, I think not every industry is going to have, like, the same kind of signals, um, you know, but there's always, there's got to be something. Like there's always something out there you could probably find, like maybe like people registering for liquor licenses. I'm pretty sure that that's something in public information, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that you could mm -hmm. figure that out. But like 
it, it is going like, I think it's just a creative exercise to find out first like what are those things for Z squared like you know key sales hires like you know hiring you to do sales is a big trigger for mm -hmm. us because they're usually coming in trying to figure stuff out mm -hmm. right <laughs> and our tool helps them do that quickly so like but every company has some kind of a probably a tripwire to find out when's the right time to talk to them yeah one recent thing that we thought of um, was I mean, we help companies find and prioritize accounts to grow their pipeline. Very, very account-based. And so what we stumbled upon was looking at job listings for anything that mentioned account-based marketing, account-based sales, account-based selling, um, trying to crawl that data and get alerts on that sort of stuff, or looked in, look, have refs look at LinkedIn Sales Navigator for recent hires or head of account-based marketing or something like that. Um, another fun exercise that we did was looking at the ad groups that we were bidding on in AdWords because those types of categories shows intent in the types of things that you might be looking for to sell into. Mm -hmm. So we noticed this is where the accomplished marketing idea came in is, hey, we have, we're spending a lot of money on AdWords, right? Trying to very specifically target people that are talking about scaling an account-based process or something like that. Let's start looking for that in blog posts. Let's start looking for that in job titles, in job listings. That's a, a good exercise too. I would say um, being realistic, though, and honest with yourself about the data you can obtain easily. Um, so my prior company, I worked for an e-commerce platform, and we went through this whole process. And two of the huge things that they said we needed to know were the online revenue and um, specifically what type of retailer was it. Branded manufacturer, you know, e-commerce only, uh, hybrid, brick and mortar. Um, this was you know, five or six years ago. But at the time, that granular level of industry classification we couldn't find. Uh, so we were literally researching it. Doesn't scale, and it was like an intern saying, eh, "I think that's a branded manufacturer." I didn't really know what that is. Um, online revenue, you know, you could probably obtain that for like the top 500 internet retailers, but not for the rest of the retail universe. So, you know, it was it kept pushing on us from sales like that is a requirement. If we don't know the online revenue, we can't tell if it's going to be a good fit for us, um, and we just couldn't obtain it. So, knowing when you have to back off um, and look at other types of signals, or if you can be creative, like, well, online revenue on average is about 10% of our overall revenue. Well, we can obtain overall revenue, so let's kind of do a, a guess around that. You don't ever look at your website change, website changes, so, you know, Google can look at something moved higher up in the rankings when they could see the website was changing. And was that anything that you've ever tried to, yeah. that's indicative of something happening at the time. Oh yeah, I mean, if, if people's website, like, just like what's visible on a company's website today is astronomical. <laughs> um, and depending on what kind of company you are, um, like I worked at DigitalOcean for a while and you know, we were you know, selling to um, you know, a lot of like, people interested in cloud hosting and automated testing. So like a company that's using a lot of web balancers and load balancers for their website or certain types of technology were very interested. You can very easily tell, like some vendors, Xbox um, being one of them, uh, can tell you that information. So you can very quickly, like when we're talking about ICP, um, part of those things is technographics, which are things about like what kind of technology are they using. Um, that that information just didn't exist like eight years ago or mm -hmm. five years ago, probably even. Um, so like having that information for specific companies, and if you're uh, meticulous about understanding where that fits, um, it can be very powerful to target companies, for sure. <coughs>
Um, still haven't figured out the right way to do that. I think um, it's hard. Uh, I, I do believe in controlled release. Uh, I think that like just dumping a whole bunch of accounts on people will um, just drive them to just prioritize and just work the like the best ones and probably not work the other ones as well, or just rip through them all in a very um, I would say like less meticulous way and then say give me more. Um, so I think that having some kind of rationing of the accounts, like what is the reasonable amount and knowing what the capacity of your team is, like what are they actually doing now? What, how much time, free time do they have to do work on new accounts? Because it's definitely gonna take more time. Uh, and it should, be a it should be a different intentional exercise to work those accounts because they're not pre-engaged, they're not coming from marketing, they haven't had you know uh, tire tracks from sales of the past working over them. So there's not as much information, so they're gonna have to do more research. They're gonna have to do, uh, probably go on social media. They're gonna have to figure stuff out. So I think getting a plan in place for what you're actually asking them to do um, and you know, teaching them how to do that is important than figuring how much they can actually do. Um, and then trying to fit back into the number of accounts they can do in that like, weekly or monthly. Yeah, the perfect way to give you exactly as much as they can. Exactly. Right. As much as I'll, give you, I'll give you the perfect answer. answer. <laughs> yeah. We kind of like randomly picked 200 accounts per rep because we needed to start somewhere and our head of sales at the time was like, That's also good. it feels right, <laughs> um, right or wrong. Awesome. And we're still using 200 accounts per rep. Um, but it's, I, I think the, for us at least, the promise that marketing would be marketing to those 200 accounts. If you pick your accounts wisely and we're gonna give you the data to pick your accounts wisely, we promise you, we will give you that air cover. Because today you feel no air cover because we're trying to market to everyone whether or not you're, you know, you're doing, you're going after them. So I think that whatever the number ended up being, it almost didn't matter. It was that, again, the alignment and the, the promise of doing this together that made people kind of jump on board. Um, but the pilots, I think everything we've done has been like team by team. We find a team that we know we can work really well with and is hungry. And it's like, start with them, get some learnings, then go to the next team and start to roll it out more. I think if we just, went broad, it never would have, nothing would have taken off. Okay. Just to piggyback on that, so I, I used to work in enterprise selling as a, as a seller, so you kind of take the like, field role, and we would have the proverbial, proverbial, here's your 100 accounts, like we vetted these for you, Yeah. and there's there's obviously some cherry picking that starts up at the front, just because you, you have an intuitive feel having done this on a day-to-day, -day, what's going to work, what's not, but I'd say to, to your, answer your question a little bit more specifically, it's not as much I think about the 100 accounts, but do the reps have confidence in the process to generate opportunities? Mm -hmm. So like if, if the reps know or have conviction, and if I do, you hand me these accounts, if I do these 10 things, this is what I know works, and if things don't come out from the other side of it, then we need to reevaluate the, the list that was given to me. Mm -hmm. But I, I <coughs> for my, if, if I was confident, like I knew how to do this, I knew how to generate opportunities with accounts. Mm -hmm. And if you gave me the accounts and I ran through my process and it didn't work, then then there's agreement across the company that it still works, right? So I, I think for me it was always, do we have a solid understanding of what it takes to generate opportunities? Therefore the list kind of figures itself out. We also, we make sure our, our VPs are the ones selecting the list. Like, if you don't like your accounts, don't come to me. Yes, I gave them the data, but if they don't pick them well, no, go complain to your boss. And they want, I mean, it sucks, you're going through a lot of data and there's some manual work because you want to you own it because your number's on the line. 
Um, but the RVPs, for the most part, actually do take that ownership and they say, you know what, I'm brand new, I'm building up a team, I'm gonna spend two days and just go through the data and make sure I'm setting my team up for success. But it's like, they're on the hook, you know, which I think makes a difference. We still honestly do that in spreadsheets. It's like, here's a beautiful spreadsheet that takes me two hours to put together and has every data point you could ever want. RBP, get your accounts for your new hire or your, if your rep needs to switch them out or whatever it is. I think just still chewing in on this conversation, uh, you know, having been a BDR and owned a number and had assigned cues assigned for having accounts sent to me versus going out and finding my own accounts and the account executives territory, I think a better system than the way of thinking about it is uh, seniority of the rep and experience in the role because um, like you mentioned, I think after a while you really get to know who your ICP is better than what any account scoring can tell you because so many factors go into mm -hmm. account scoring. So I would say someone that's newer in a role, I think an assigned queue works amazing because mm -hmm. it takes all the thought work out of like who do I even go after yeah. to like just work down this list and start somewhere and then you get to start to get to know people you start to see responses and what's working and then the people that are more experienced that have been in the role for over i'd say at least three months mm -hmm. to more around six months you start to get a really better feel of who your customer is and you can start to go through these 100 200 mm -hmm. person lists and find exactly who you need so i come from like uh, the devops industry i know who i'm selling to specifically it's going to be someone that's working in a SaaS platform, and I know how to find those companies really quickly. And when I get an account dump, and only 20 of the accounts are SaaS-based companies, and I have 80 other accounts that I know are, they're not even tier two, they're like tier three and four. I know it's a total waste of time, and I'm sitting there running my number. Why, why am I wasting my time on these accounts when I need to hit that number? It creates another level of stress for your reps. So I think looking at a combination of seniority and a sign, um, balancing that. I think to your point, Emily, too, when you're building the account scoring, you have to take into account all the qualitative feedback you're getting mm -hmm. from the reps. Yeah. Like people like you in that scenario, ideally would be helping shape the account yeah. scoring algorithm. And so if you get a list of 100 accounts and only 20 of them are good, I think the ideal next step is someone goes to you and says, hey, why isn't this good? What are the criteria we need to change? Why is this weighted so highly? What do we need to add? What do we need to remove? to help build the trust. I think it's probably an iterated process though. Yeah. You can never get it right on the first try. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like uh, with a model where you have like, um, like Insights Group having like a, a, a swath of accounts that is really like our territory where our, like really our targeted accounts. Um, those are like the, the, the highest quality, like all the, you know, tech companies are just a perfect fit, right? When bring anything else in new, it's obviously not the things that were super obvious. Like it, it's clearly not like the, the best of the best, but it's, trying to find and tease out the ones that are, you know, potential, right? It's do, using math and using numbers and like all the other information you have available to try and find the targets that are already there. I think so having that like kind of interlock with sales, like leadership and the actual individuals doing the work, um, like so they understand like this is not the same, right? This is an opportunity of something else that is like the quality is not going to be as high as the ones that you've been focusing on in your day to day, this is an opportunity to pick out and find the four or five and then you know send the rest back, right? Um, like having that, uh, I, I think,
think workflow and understanding is critical and like to your point um, making sure that they feel bought into the the math and all the things because it's not perfect right it's just yeah. a, it's, yeah. it's it's intended to try and uh you know you know boil the fat so to speak um but you know you're not going to get everything yeah. and then it's not it's not going to answer what number is the right number but one of the sales team all excited about it or this big exciting event and they find like it's doesn't matter if six out of those 100 companies aren't real like the list is garbage and yes garbage <laughs> and i'm sure you are but like we so my old yeah. company there, there was things that we did so we had, we had interns and then we got started on part of the bdr program was before you could start making dials you had to spend a month um vetting lists Cool. To make sure all the lists were up to date before they got pushed out to the sales team, and like little stuff like that was helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, setting expectations. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely made that mistake the first time around. It was like, it's, this is shit. Yeah. Like, well, the data vendor promised us it was good, whatever we used way back then. started having just or you know over the years like if you break into one like recruiting was a big thing for us or it was never a big thing and then in the UK they sold a small deal they sold another one it was like all right let's start there's a couple good use case we have a couple stories and it's like as those little ones pop up starting to use that as a proof point okay maybe we've only done it once or twice but let's explore this a little bit more and see if we can bring it into the fold all right well we're running up to 7 30 great discussion thanks everyone I'll close with two quick items, or three, I guess. One, thanks to everyone for coming out. Hopefully you enjoyed the discussion. Um, I know Phoebe runs a very similar meetup in the sales ops realm. She has, I think, one coming up next month. Um, so feel free to talk to her about what that might have in store. And then a big, big thank you for to Inside Squared and uh, Maddie in particular for, for helping and hosting. Um, the office is fantastic. This venue is very wonderful and comfy. And uh, thanks for having us. I'm gonna do one shameless plug. Um, thank you all for coming. Um, thanks for DataFox for flying all the way out here to, to lead this discussion. Um, but I did wanna let everyone know, I'm sure you've gotten communication from me or others at Insight Squared regarding Brand 2019. So that's our annual conference happening in three and a half weeks here in Boston. So if you're in ops, which I assume most of you are, um, you should definitely join us. I'll follow up with a uh, heavily discounted code. Use code CB in all caps. <laughs> $99 tickets. Um, but we'd love to see you guys there. It's really sort of like this was like a taste.
20 minute long of two full days, two tracks of the kind of content that you're going to get and really walk away with ways to impact your um, organization's revenue goals and um, your own careers and operations. So we'd love to see you guys all there. Um, and you're more than welcome to continue hanging out, enjoy some drinks, food, and swag that we have out for you guys. So, thank you. Thanks, buddy.